The show you're about to hear is a member of the Plains Talkers Podcast Network. To find out more, go to plainstalkerspodcast.com. Plenty of decks don't get to draw three cards for one man. Well, I mean, all the good ones do. This is not eight cast, Matt. Sorry. Uh, six cast. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Everything I just said is wrong, because I, <laughs> I literally looked at creatures and then looked at artifacts, and I... Hi, I'm Jake. And I'm Matt. And we are Cantrip Cartel. We're proud members of the Planesockers Podcasting Network, and we got a bullshit band today. How's it going, Matt? I'm doing all right. I <laughs> uh, got my day off. It's Tuesday again. Um, I basically got a day off with how little I had to work. Yeah, we haven't been very busy, which in the short run is fine. In the long run is not great. Uh, as much as everybody hates delivering a bunch of stuff, it is what actually pays my rent. So we do have to have packages delivering uh, to deliver. I was just talking to my boss about it, and I was like, where are all the stops? And he's just like, in people's gas tanks. Yeah. <laughs> it's You gas have a lot less is, disposable income. I saw 5.30 a gallon. Yep. I got it. I ninjaed some in uh, at 4.94, mm-hmm. uh, like yesterday or the day before, because <laughs> I, like, right by my house, there's two gas stations, Yeah, and one was like 5.00. A little over five, and the other one was five twenty. Yeah, and, and I was heading into town. I was like, I, and then I drove past the Circle K, and it was four ninety four. I was like, whoop. Yeah, my uh, my wife was talking about she had she heard a story from her coworker who had I guess waited for like half an hour forty minutes at a at a gas station, big old line because they were at like four sixty or whatever. Yeah, and before he got to go, they ran out of gas. Yeah, and closed. So he was pretty pissed that he spent half an hour waiting for reasonably priced expensive gas and they just ran out just a pro tip for anybody out there uh if you if you're looking at trend lines and they're heading up for gas what you want to do is buy gas basically every chance you every time you get the chance oh yeah because it's like even if you only need a couple gallons the idea is it'll be more expensive tomorrow it's almost always going to it's it's one of those things that it's very obvious when someone points it out to you but a lot of people will fill up and i'm one of them where you just fill up and you just don't want to mess with it but mm-hmm. when gas is like, ex- like very volatile heading up, you can save yourself a lot of money over the course of a year if you just buy gas more frequently. So, just a little pro tip. Yeah. Other than but, that, I don't think I've done very much this week. No, I haven't even played any Satisfactory. Uh, we played a. Li- I played a little. Um, we're still working on getting our nuclear set up. That was actually going to be something I was going to talk to you about. Uh, my wife is going out of town this week. She's leaving tomorrow. So at mm-hmm. some point this week, you should bring your computer over. Get oh. it set up on the big TV. Do a land party. And we can do like a, you know, a binge on Satisfactory and get some nuclear power going. Did Is I it... leave that cord here? I'm not, no, I, I bought an adapter. That's what it was. Yeah. I have an adapter on my computer now. So, because I, I think that's going to be something we're going to want to like really coordinate on. Mm-hmm. And the cool thing is, is once we get it down, we build, you know, like a proof of concept set up. And mm-hmm. then all we have to do is go, oh, this is how this works. Build a bunch of them. Yeah. We just need to make sure and build it like a little ways away so we have plenty of future proofing. Yeah. So I'm excited for that. But yeah, we've got like the trains set up. We've got trains set up to carry all the chemicals because it takes a lot of chemicals to turn nuclear waste into a usable product that you then turn into another usable product that you turn into plutonium. Yeah. But I think we've got the train set up to transport it all. I have no idea. I had to do the chain running a little bit to see like what we're moving per minute. Mm-hmm. The cool thing about the train is it does show you like the throughput. how much. How much is moving per minute once it's made a couple loops? Because right now it's all just full and not doing anything. Yeah. But yeah, 
this weekend. I don't know what's going on. I'm yeah, I think I can find a day or two to come over here and do something. She's leaving tomorrow? Yeah. What is tomorrow? Wednesday. Wednesday. Tomorrow I've got stuff going on with the wife. Tomorrow's my tomorrow's my first day anniversary that I didn't forget hey, this year. Hey, there you go. So yeah. I'm you didn't forget excited. it last year, did you? I remember you I did know. something I, for it. I forgot something last year. Oh, yeah. I forget something every year. But yeah, that'll be fun. I'll get a little LAN party going. Other than that, I did go to Monday Night Pioneer last night. Mm-hmm. If you follow our Twitter, you saw I made a post. We got to last night was the first night we actually sponsored a legit Pioneer, basically Friday Night Magic. Uh, I went in and basically doubled the pot, so gave everyone a little better payout. We had a turn. We had eight people show up. But the cool thing about it was we had eight people show up and like three people that I had never seen before. Oh, nice. So like we are still growing and just people are busy and didn't come. Like I'm hoping we can get to like. If we get like 10 or 15 regularly, that'd be pretty sweet. Mm-hmm. We had a good turnout. I got to play my mono red goblins deck that I just built for 50 bucks, and I went 2-1, and for $50, you can get a really good deck in Pioneer. Yeah. It was strong. <laughs> I hosed people. There, the games, I, so I went I went uh, 2-0, 1-2, uh, 2-0, mm-hmm. and the 2-0s were, it was just a joke. It was aggro v. aggro, and it, was, it wasn't even close. It was hilarious how bad it was. And the 1-2, I lost to Green Devotion, because... They put a lot of fat butts out there. Yeah. My goblins oftentimes are one ones and two twos. Yeah. One five five or three five or whatever will stonewall a lot of goblins. Yeah. Well, you lose your, you're no longer getting to chip away. And now it's you have to build up for a mass attack. Yeah. Instead and of, they probably better build up better than, yep. bigger and better than you do. Yep. Yeah. Instead of swinging in for five, swinging in for three, swinging in for four, I have to get to where I can swing in for 18. Yeah. And that is hard to do. Yeah. The, the, I, I got to cast my first goblin ringleader yesterday. Oh, it's fun, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> I think I think I cast like four of them, and three of them were four mana draw four. <laughs> it's so good. There's like 35 goblins in the deck. They, yeah, it hits so hard to go. Yeah, turn four. I guess I'll pay four mana and draw four cards. Cool. Your turn. Yep. You're fucked on my turn. We were. Uh, I was playing once with a goblin deck, and we weren't using any ban lists or anything, mm-hmm. and so we were running goblin recruiter. Yeah. So you, you just stack, stack it deck. so it's ringleader, goblin, 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 yeah. ringleader, goblin, 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 ringleader. Just chain through them. <laughs> yep. You're like, uh, every card I cast for the next three turns is going to yeah. draw me three it's gonna cards. going to draw all the cards I could ever want. Yeah. So, and that's why uh, Recruiter's banned, among other reasons. Mm-hmm. But Did you do anything fun? Anything anything interesting you've got on your uh, side? I ordered my Boros Heroic deck. Yeah. Um, if for the... Consistent listeners, we've been going back and forth about what I want to play in Pioneer, uh, and I was leaning towards Mm blue-red, and then I saw this uh, red-white heroic deck and was like, oh, cool, that looks really neat. Like, I think I'll do that. And then we got some (laughs) mediocre news today, so I'm glad I didn't end up uh, going with Mm blue-red. That would have been not necessarily a waste of money. I don't, don't, so they, in in Pioneer, we'll talk about it later, in Pioneer they basically banned... Uh, Winota and Expressive Iteration. Yeah. I don't think any deck you were going to build would be ruined by losing Expressive Iteration, but it is a very powerful card to lose. It is. And, like, just if I was going to do it at this point, my first thought would be to pivot into more Dig Through Times and Treasure Cruises. Yeah. Um, Maybe bump the... it up to probably six total. I think that's the correct. And it's... then a couple other cheaper cantrips, something like that. A lot of those aggro style decks, I've been playing a lot with. Uh... What's that two in a red? You exile top two cards, but it costs two less with with like spectacle. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Light up the stage. Maybe. Well, one of them's a lightning bolt, and one of them's draw two. I think skewer the critics is the lightning. Yeah, bolt. Yeah. So light up the stage. Yeah. Um, it's it's not a terrible potential replacement for those decks. Uh, the aggro style ones. Obviously, yeah. some of the blue red decks aren't aggro-y, but 
the aggro style decks I want to replace, and it's a good option to replace it because I got that off several times, and it was a very powerful draw too uh, yeah. in my goblin deck. Yep, it's just losing that is. I mean, that was probably one of the, um, not necessarily the highest ceiling because you've got stuff like obviously Winota or Lotus mm-hmm. Field, which are just incredibly powerful cards if they resolve or you end up using them a lot. But as far as like consistency and just value, Expressive Iteration is one of the best cards ever printed. Like it's the best two mana draw spell ever. Uh, it's I don't want to say it's taken over modern, but it's everywhere in modern. It's all over the place in Legacy. It shouldn't really come as any surprise that it was banned in Pioneer. Um, outside of the fact that as we've said multiple times, nothing in Pioneer needed banned. <laughs> so, like, yeah. the, the, that's the surprise for me. It's not, I wasn't surprised that they banned Expressive Iteration if they were going to ban stuff, even from that deck. But, whatever. We'll yeah, get, we'll get into that later, but... Yep. Um... But, yeah, I got... Uh, I managed to sneak in my Reckless Rages for Red White Heroic before oh, they yeah, spiked. I was, I was talking to someone about that. Yep. Um... I had some issues ordering some cards that really frustrated me. Yeah, I, you... I turned out, I figured out what it was. So I use a Brave browser most times. Uh-huh. And I've actually run into, this past week, run into a couple issues with it where it was just like logging me out of sites that I would log into. It's probably going through and periodically removing cookies. Could be. But well, like I would, what I would do is I would log in, do some stuff, and then it, I'd go to like go to my cart and it would log me out and empty my cart. Hmm. It was really weird. You just use Google. Well, that's what I did. That I just swapped to. <laughs> I just use Google for it. Yeah, I just ended up swapping. Your really privacy like, isn't worth a couple of cu- couple cardboard. Couple well, the, pieces of cardboard. there's there's no secrets there. <laughs> I literally it's it's public knowledge that I play Magic. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's true. <laughs> so <laughs> there's no there's no information for me for them to steal from me there. So so I logged in, got my cards ordered. Uh, Oh, I did do something. Cheap deck. I did something also fun on the weekend. I went down and built mom her stand for her tank. Yeah. Yep. So I got some more information on that. Um, it's she's still months away from having it finished, but like getting the stand built was one of the things we had to do. So because she was we were talking the numbers on it, it's a hundred and like fifty gallon, hundred eighty gallon tank. Mm -hmm. The numbers on that, it's gonna weigh over two thousand pounds, I think, or maybe it's like. So she has a literal ton of. It was it was either very close under or just over, but like it's yeah. We looked up some videos and. Because he builds his four to he builds him a, a safety factor of four. This guy that built a ton of them, mm-hmm. and he was saying your hundred and whatever gallon tank is going to weigh like eighteen hundred two thousand pounds. So we went and bought all the lumber. Um, I learned how to do the numbers on two by fours. Mm-hmm. So a single two by four that's three feet long or shorter vertical can support eight hundred pounds. And so we had to put whatever that t- divided by eight. Uh, well. We had to put ten of them mm-hmm. to get our. We got to eight thousand pounds it can hold. Yeah, because you wanted. He said a factor of four, so factor you got a two thousand up to eight thousand. Yep. Yeah, so I spent all day. We spent a couple hours watching. Uh, we spent about an hour or so watching the video and rewatching it, and because the video we found that we liked, he didn't like give great angles. So we had to like keep pausing and like counting and looking, and then we had to do all of our measurements and to remeasure, go to the store, buy all the stuff, come back home, build it, come in, you know, run into issues while we're building because she said she decided she wanted a shelf on the back. So it has uh, the tank sits on it, and there's like a three or four inch shelf on the back to put like tongs and shit. Yeah. So like we had to redesign it really quick and reformat it, and finally got it together, got it all built, and it was good to go. But that is that's something I really fun I got to do. I got to basically design from scratch a uh, aquarium stand and put nice. it together. Yep. It was a lot of fun. I enjoyed it. Yep. You have to come down and see it when it's all. You'll probably come, you can probably come down and help because that 
it's the I guess the tank itself that we're gonna have to get up there before she moves all the water over because she's condensing three of her fish tanks into one. Mm-hmm. Um, the tank itself empty is like three hundred twenty pounds. Sheesh. So we're gonna have to get a bunch of people to. Well, yeah, you very, don't want to skimp on people because if one guy is just carefully like, moving it around, because yeah, like it's if, just a solid piece of glass. Yeah, and if well, you like twist it or yeah, you crack it and then it's yeah. worthless. Yeah, you have to be extremely careful moving yeah, big, big pieces of glass into the house. Pick it up <clears throat> three feet onto the stand. I'm not sure you want me to help you with that. I one am notoriously person. clumsy. Just one more person. <laughs> yeah, that was the other thing I did this weekend. I think I did a lot more than you this weekend. Well, I I've been if. This is like scraping the bottom of the barrel. I am battling trying to figure out a way to get my lawn watered. <laughs> oh. Because like we're in the corner of a cul-de-sac. Mm-hmm. So like each section of my lawn is a different shape. And it's just kind of a pain in the ass. You can't just hose it? I am not going to. Well, the, here's the deal for anybody who doesn't know. And I didn't know this either. When you water your lawn, you're supposed to water it either one inch once a week or two half inches uh, or and, or do two half inch treatments. Mm-hmm. The reason for that is you want deep penetration of the water. It mm-hmm. encourages deeper root growth. I always want deep penetration. I know you do. <laughs> That's why we have a giant hose. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, so yeah, I'm not going to stand out there and water my entire lawn by hand <laughs> for hours on end. <laughs> uh, and we can't afford any serious, like, actual irrigation. Yeah. Like, so that's not even on the table. Not when gas is five and a half dollars a gallon, that's no. for sure. So like I've been experimenting with different types of sprinklers. Again, a lot of this stuff is stuff like two years ago. If you're like, hey, Matt, you know what you're going to do on your day off? You're going to go to Rural King and buy four different types of sprinklers. To see which one works best. See, and the thing is, they I have different sprinklers now for different parts of the lawn. Mm-hmm. And I still need to go buy more sprinklers. Yep. That's awesome. Because I figured out the one I liked the most, which is the rotary one. That It's a... Oh, yeah. That one, it works really well with the shape of my lawn hmm. in the front. Yeah. Uh, the back has, like, longer stretches, so I have what's called an oscillating sprinkler, which is the one that shoots in the air mm-hmm. and the arm moves back and forth. And then I got a couple other ones that <clears throat> they'd probably be fine, but they just don't put out enough. They don't cover enough area, but they cover it in, like, a, a full circle. So you put it in the center, and it's like a circle, like, just a straight radius around. But the, it's not very big, so I'd have to move them like six times. That's just too much work. That's just well, you had to leave them there for an hour. Yeah. <laughs> so like, I, and the thing is, you're only really supposed to water in the morning. Mm-hmm. If you water in the middle of the day, you can burn your lawn, and if you water at night, you can get uh, disease and fungal growth and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So like, you I've, really only have a couple hours during the morning. Where owned, it's, my, owned my house for two or three years now. Haven't watered, haven't watered the lawn once. Nope. Well, the problem is our soil is not very deep, and it's clay underneath. Yeah. So we don't... You have a harder time keeping grass alive anyway. Well, it's just the soil's so dry. Mm -hmm. Like, I go out there... Like, right now, if you... It's like the dirt is as dark as as my desk. Nobody can see this, but Jay can. Mm -hmm. It's like a light brown, and it's just completely dry. Yeah. So, like... And and I watered that area... These suburbs, man, they just... Two days ago. They haul all this dirt in. Yeah. Well, and most of my lawn... Is probably just the clay from when they dug out my basement. Yep. So, probably a lot of it. Yeah, they dug it out and just set it there. Yep. And then just spread it out, and that's yep. my lawn. So that's the another battle of being a homeowner. Sure was nice renting. <laughs> I will, I'll disagree. It's not a battle for me being a homeowner. I'm fine with it. It's fine with no, me. No, don't get me wrong. I'd rather be a homeowner than rent, mm-hmm. but it's not all upside. <laughs> so speaking of all upside, Matt, you ready to get started? Sure. We were a solid 15 minutes in. I'm there sure you the, go. 
the fans are like, thank God they put timestamps. Fuck that shit. <laughs> right. So before no, we get... Matt, we don't care about <laughs> you watering your lawn. <laughs> before we get started, I want to give a first shout out to our patrons. We've got um, Rambling Rogue, Emperor, Joe and Derek. Joe and Derek with the Family Gathering podcast. But uh, every week we shout them out. Really appreciate you guys helping support our podcast in a very real and meaningful way. Um, we are also proud members of the Planesuckers Podcasting Network. So Will and Aramis are very graciously brought us onto their network to help us get started. Check them out Monday and Wednesday at twitch.tv forward slash Podcast at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard. Monday, everything you need to know about Standard. And Wednesday, get some live play Commander. Check, check out their Discord, discord.planesuckerspodcast.com to join in a win-a-box tournament where you play for free, play, uh, we, play a Wednesday uh, Commander game where Will's always trying to get new people on, and check out our Discord channel, in there. Alrighty, Matt. So everything's out of the way. Uh, we've rambled for 20 minutes. How's Legacy looking? Well, <clears throat> so over the past couple weeks, it hasn't been horrendous. I have uh, it on good authority. There's only one answer to this. It's not great. <laughs> I have it on good authority from the Ministry of Information <laughs> yeah. that uh, Legacy is fine, does not need any changes. According to Wizards and their ban announcement, Legacy looks just fine. It's fine. Uh, if we look at the challenge results, we're just going to, you know, address this right away. 28% of the top 32 is Blue Red Delver, 9 of the top 32 for Sunday. That is, that is so high. I, could you imagine, like, that's like approaching like a comical amounts of like high percentage. Right. Saturday was 37.5%. <laughs> 12 of the top 32 was Blue Red Delver. Yeah. And each of these, three of the top eight was Blue Red Delver. Yeah. So like. Clearly, according to nah, wizards, I have it on. This is I have it on acceptable. good authority that nothing needs to be changed. You have it on authority. <laughs> <laughs> nothing needs. To, we were talking told. about. It. They literally they they said six months ago we're going to ban Ragavan and we're going to watch it in the coming months if it needs changed. They waited six months for three weeks of Delver to not be a problem and then made an announcement. That's yeah. eh, fine. Yeah. They, so. We literally have had dog shit metas for the last six months. We had three weeks in a row where Delver was at like between 7 and 15%, and they rushed out an announcement. Hey, guys, it's fine. Don't worry about it. Yeah, Blue Legacy looks great. Yeah. The thing is, the the meta is becoming so inbred. You've got the next be best deck is there's varying like depths lists, mm -hmm. and that is like between 5 and 7, depending on the different types of deck lists uh -huh. of the top 32. So you're looking at another deck that's you know, has a very good matchup against Blue Red Delver that has another 20% of the meta. You know, it's funny. So this isn't a meta result. This isn't like an overall meta. This is just a tournament result meta. But on Sunday, uh, I also have it on good authority that that Sultai Depths deck is a bannable uh, meta share. Yeah, it's 15%. 15.5%. That's yep. a bannable meta share. Yeah. That's what got Winota correct. And that's the second place deck underneath Delver at 28%. Right. And I mean, that's ridiculous. Think about that. Like... <laughs> A fifteen percent deck with yeah. that, and it it says it's soul this, tie depths. This it's, is just a tournament meta share. I yes. know we're being facetious here, but, but. Well, think about this though. The Blue Red Delver is twice. There's another deck in this top thirty-two with a fifteen percent meta share, and Blue Red Delver has twice as many decks as it. Yep. <laughs> like, yep. <laughs> but this is perfectly acceptable. Anywho, just going through the top eight. Um, we've got a Lopcas with. Uh, Naya Depths, which is is just looking at the list. It's green white depths with pyroblasts. This is what we. This is the yeah. Naya we've seen for the last you know several months. Is it's just it's just green white depths is kind of what we settled on. Once we got the uh, Yavamaya land that makes all your things for us, yeah. we quickly settled on to um, 
Oh, uh, what screen white? Selesnya depth. Selesnya, yeah. And then basically when Delver became consistently 30% of the meta, 40% of the meta, they picked up Naya for Pyroblast and Red Blast on the side. Yeah. That's it. Yep. So uh, we've got one Outland Liberator card we've seen before, but that's just about the only thing that's really new in this. Um, do they have any of the newer lands? Doesn't look like it. So. No, I don't think anything's really changed in this no. list. This uh, looks like recently, other than just tweaking around the edges on numbers. This looks pretty much identical to all the blue red or yeah, all the we, green white. We have not seen depths. much movement in the Naya slash um, Selesnya yeah, depth. There's in not a, a long lot of room time. to innovate there. Like we eight rot, not eight rot. Uh, this is the eight rot. This is eight rot. But uh, eight mulch came into a, came into a thing. That's kind of an interesting depthy style list. Um, what was the other one I was gonna say? The uh, and there, there's Sultai lands, which yeah. is becoming a more of a thing. Well, they call it Sultai in this, but it's just mono black. Yeah. I don't know why it's being categorized as Sultai. Uh, from what I from what I was looking at, it doesn't even have there's literally no green or blue pips. It's just black depths. Oh yeah, I guess I Yeah. I kinda it, I guess when I saw that I kind of assumed that they were just missed like they it just wasn't like the second place list or whatever it is. Yeah. No, it literally is there's several mono black lists. And they are just mono black, and it's yeah. labeling them as saltai depths. Yep. So even though why. it's called malt, even though it's called mono black depths in the listing. Yeah, just a little category error there. Not a big gotcha. deal, but like. So yeah. So those are our three. I guess, I don't know. Do you consider? I guess uh, eight mulch is more of a lands deck than a depths deck, isn't it? Because it does run things like exploration and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of it's almost like you just take them together and mash them together. Yeah. Like, so depths is basically devolved into either mono black or Naya or some from Selesnya. Yeah. And then you've got lands and eight mulch. Eight mulch was kind of a flash in the pan where it existed really strongly for like a month. We haven't really seen it much since. Yeah. And it's, well, it's, that's exactly the type of deck that you're going to have, whether or not it's the premier deck of the format, even if it's not the premier like lands deck of the format, mm -hmm. you're going to have a couple people who just love that deck and are going to bring it to every tournament. So, like, don't forget 8 Mulch exists. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, it's probably not something you have to really dedicate a bunch of sideboard slots to or anything, but it is very much still a real deck, and you can very much get blown out on turn 2 or 3 by a giant yep. <laughs> Merit Lage. Yeah. <laughs> like, so. All right. Second place, Blue Red Delver. This is the pseudo Delverless Delver, where we'll, we only have one. Um, yeah, there's one Stifle instead of one Daze. Like, we've talked about these a bunch. That's that. Yeah, Delver is doing Delver. Yep. And it's doing a lot of Delver, too. Yeah, I mean, there's not even any real variation. Like, the hidden tech of running a couple few, uh, a few less Delver of Secrets is not exactly interesting. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, third place, Mono Black Depths, like we talked about. So this is your Dark Confidant, Dothy Voidwalker, Vampire Hex Mage, Opposition Agent deck. Mono Black, got one Karn, Cyan of Urza in the main. Then you got like Dark Ritual Duress for Early Disruption, um, Thespian Stage, and Dark Depths for the combo. Then you've got the Helm of Obedience with uh, Leyline of the Void and Dothy Voidwalker as a plan B yep. or just a different, like just swap out your A-B combos depending on your matchups and stuff yeah. like that. Oh, and you get to board into a completely cre uh, non-creature based kill. Yeah, yep. So you're playing Mono Black. Obviously, you're the weakest against these uh, heavy removal decks, which there's a lot of right now. Yep especially with Prismatic Ending and, and Plow, and then you bump into a deck that is permanent-based still, but it is, is is not scared at all of your uh, swords. I guess it technically is scared of your Prismatic Endings because you can't hit the Helm and the Leyline, but they're four mana each. I'm not really worried about that much. 
So there is something interesting in this guy's sideboard. He's got two more ancient tombs in the side, which to me means you're really leaning into getting that Karn and that uh, Helm of Obedience online. Yeah. So you bring that in so you can go turn one ancient tomb, turn two ancient tomb, Helm of Obedience, and obviously you'd probably have a pregame ley line of the void. Yep. Like that's trying, what you're trying to do. Trying to just increase the racing potential. Yeah. They also run a Shizo Death Storehouse in the main, which yep. is kind of an interesting... It, it literally just can give your merit lage. Uh, was it fear? Yeah, yeah, fear. Give your merit lage unblockable. Yep. Which, so the reason that is super relevant is oh no, is fear the which one's fear? Fear is can't be blocked except for black or artifact creatures. Oh, okay, never mind then. Because I've heard from um, depth mages that it's not really a problem right now because it's not as buggy of a thing. But depth decks fold pretty hard to eight cast. Because mm-hmm. it's just impossible to get through the tokens. Yep. It is literally impossible to get through. Yeah, all they have to do is just make a token every turn. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's impossible to get through a Psy. And so I was wondering if it was for that, but it's not. Yep, and well, to me, with 30% blue-red Delver, like, they're going to have flying blockers. Yeah. And Delver is exactly the type of deck where sometimes they're just going to be like, well, I can block your 2020 yep. for two turns and just bolt you to death or whatever. Yeah. Or, I mean, or you just win the race. You just yeah. you throw a Delver in front of it and the Merktide swings in for lethal. Yep. Like you can, like, you, you can attack me for 20. I'm going to yeah. block it with my Delver and I have an 8-8 eight, eight sitting here. You get in that position where you have to make your 2020 because uh, Wasteland, Wasteland, it. Wasteland yep. is a live draw and then you're stuck with a 2020 that, I mean, you're not stuck, but you can't attack. And there's the potential they can just feed fodder into it. Forcing bad blocks, they always they can keep one back to block, and then but you can never attack because you're just dead on the crackback. And like you just said, though, you're just now every bolt is a live draw where I just need to draw two bolts and the game's over, or one bolt and swing out. Yeah, and on top of that, it doesn't come into play tapped. So there's obviously wastelands in the format, and that's a thing. But if you're playing depths, you probably don't care if they oh, wasteland God. this. Please wasteland my Shizo. Right. So it's just like there's very little opportunity cost here. Yeah, it's a good card. It's just not fetchable. That's it. Yep. Oh, hey, look, fourth place. Fourth place, eight cast, and there's, this is there's that sigh I was talking about. Actually, eight cast. Yep, <laughs> not the uh, Karn Echo of Aeons. This is not eight cast, Matt. Sorry, uh, six cast. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> technically this is six cast. I've been wondering. Uh, we've seen a lot of lists running the eight, and I've heard a lot of people talking about, and this is eight cast mages um, talking about whether or not eight is enough. Wait, eight is the right number, and because it's. Like you're just drawing, it's you're just drawing more. You're drawing more ways to draw cards. You're drawing more ways to draw cards, and like at some point that becomes fluff because you do need to win the game. Yeah. And so I'm interested. It's interesting to see these lists bump down to seven cast or six cast, and put a few more answers or a few more threats in. And they are, like I know that in the in like your dream world everything's going well. They cost one blue. They frequently cost more than one blue. Oh, especially especially Thought Monitor. Like right. I think people think of Thought Monitor and they think of Thought Cast, where it's four and a blue. Yeah, it's six not. and a blue is a big difference. It very much is. That is a hell of a board state to have six artifacts. Yep. So putting in a little more action as opposed to just a couple more effectively cantrips, mm-hmm. probably not a bad idea. Other than that, though, I don't see anything particularly special. Like, we picked up an extra Capacan here. We've been running two or three for a long time. Now we're at four. The other uh, pickup, I'm not sure where it is. Uh, it, it's probably one more tutor target for the Urza Saga. We do have a full four tutor targets instead of the usual three. Yeah. So we get fe- we get Foundry, probably Needle. Probably Pithing Needle. Aether, Spellbomb, and the, Shadow Spear. Yeah, the, the Foundry, the Spellbomb, and the Shadow Spear are all pretty common. Yeah. The Pithing Needle the is ma- probably The main word Pithing Needle makes sense. Yeah. Too bad he didn't get online fast enough to beat that depths player. Right. Well, had he pithing needled his Shizo. 
that's all it's all you need. <laughs> that's what that's in there for, yep. right? Couldn't get the psi out in time and you had to get that pithy needle out. Well, you got a pithy needle that that's being staged probably, or that helm of obedience. That's probably that might call. be what that might be what happened. Maybe on game three, he pithing needle Thespian Sage, and the guy was like, "Cool, a second ancient tomb, <laughs> <laughs> right? Home of obedience." Yeah, <laughs> you brought a knife to a gunfight, bud. Uh, next up, we do actually have an interest, uh, not necessarily super interesting, but one we haven't seen in a while. Mm-hmm. We've got these giant. Uh, it's listed in here as five color zenith. Um, not technically true. Yeah, There's a couple pips, but yeah, like it's meat pie. We, yeah, we, we, it's we, meat pie. Julian helped us refer to this as the meat pie of Legacy. It's just this 80 card uh, commander deck you play in Legacy. I guess the commander deck that isn't Nick Fit, right? But in 80, nobody plays Nick Fit anymore. Nobody. Even nobody. Rarely do people even joke about Nick yeah. Fit anymore. <laughs> Nick Fit was a joke deck for a long time, and now it's such a joke. You could say Nick Fit to relatively new Legacy players, and they wouldn't know what you huh? meant. Yeah. <laughs> So this is the new commander deck, and it looks just like a commander deck. All these one ofs, these four drops and five drops and six drops. Yeah, it's it's hilarious to see this deck, and it it did really good for a long time. It was all over yes. the place, and then it just died away. And I just wonder if it's like it came in and Delver had a hard and Delver must have had a hard time with it for a long for a while because Delver was still pretty relevant. Yeah, it fought for its spot in second place against Delver, and then. It turns out that it, you just can't keep running mono three drop, four drop, five drop against days. Right. Uh, probably. Days and wasteland. Yeah. And especially with Depths decks, a lot of them do run wastelands. And, and a lot of these premier threats they're running, except for, I guess, the prime time, but they are blue. Like yeah. they're, they're top end, they're Omnath, they're Uro, they're blue. They get hit and they to all Pyroblast. They get hit by Pyroblast. And Pyroblast has been ticking up more and more and more in the past weeks. I didn't see anything new in <laughs> there. I didn't either. Um, it looks like a pretty stock list from a month, a couple months ago. Yeah. Again, you're probably going to have tweaks on numbers, but a lot of that's just personal decisions. Well, it does have a Beseju in it. Well, there a we go. A single Beseju. Hey, innovation. <laughs> <laughs> uh, next up in sixth place, we've got Blue Red Delver. It's actually Delver. You got your Chain Lightnings, your typical creature hey, sweep. We've got two Brazen Borrowers, not one. Hey, wow. And only three days. The spice must flow. My cup runneth over. Right. <laughs> What's next? Yeah. Uh, then, if I remember correctly, yep, this is the pseudo Kappa Cannoneer, but mostly Echo of Aeons car- yep. uh, whole breacher deck, mono blue with uh, Plague Engineer. <laughs> yeah, in the side. Yeah, the mono the mono blue Aeons. That's blue black because it has one Plague Engineer. Yeah. Three it dismembers. Does, those are dismembers, but those don't count. Those aren't blue or those aren't black. Those don't count. You're never playing black for those. Nope. I guess there's a world where you could save some life, but... Yeah, I mean, you've got Mox Opal and Lotus Petals. Yeah, and this is yeah, Mono Blue Echo decks. The whole point is just to keep cycling through the deck. It's kind of like Ruby Storm. It's yep. just blue. Well, why why wouldn't blue have the best Ruby Storm deck? <laughs> hey, this I mean, this is a blue deck that is not running Ponder or Brainstorm. No, I, I have no issues with these decks. Mm-hmm. Like, if this, to me, from like a classical sense, there's two real ways. I think that's one of the things that bugs me most about Delver-style decks lately. This is exactly what a blue deck should be doing. It's high synergy. You've mm-hmm. got a bunch of, like, this This is a little bit of a combo, but, like, 8-cast is a perfect example. It's mono blue. It's not cantripping or anything. It's just taking advantage of artifacts. Yeah, it, it's tribal. It's tribal artifact. It's a, that's effectively what it is. I have no issues with that at all. And this is borderline tribal artifact, too. Yeah, I mean, the deck is... Like, you, the engine is Echo of Aeons instead of 8-casts, eight 8-thought-casts, eight yeah. but it's tribal artifact with Capican, Near, Psy, and Emery. Yeah, the lists, other than those couple cards, are... Almost identical. Yep. So. And one unlicensed hearse. Finally got my hearses in. Unlicensed hearse is $7? Yep. 
Now they pick mine up for like four. Yeah. So nothing super spicy here. Nope. Nothing particularly interesting. What was in eighth place? You'll never guess it, folks. It's Blue Red Delver. Well, let's just skip eighth and go to ninth. What was in ninth? Blue Red Delver. Well, then what was in tenth? Blue Red Delver. Oh, okay. <laughs> I can't imagine these are anything particularly I interesting. I will give a shout out. Ninth place. Just missed the top eight. Reed Duke with Blue Red Delver. That's Reed Rabbit, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um. So just wanted uh, Bryant Cook, 17th place. Some of the, you know, stars Bigger of names. Legacy. Yep. So that's the thing. This is, it's actually kind of what drives me nuts is like, you've got very experienced legacy players. I don't mean this is an insult in any way that can't make the top eight because the top eight is mostly blue red Delver. It's played by friendly. I'm going to say people. Nobody's no, They're just played by randoms, right? It's just random people playing blue red Delver. I'm sure they're, they're obviously very good magic players. Mm-hmm. I bet not, you none of them are Reed Duke. Yeah. They're not Reed Duke and Bryant cook. Right. So like, this is one of the things that like, it kind of drives me nuts when Wizards talks about win rates regarding Blue Red Delver because when it's got this level, this high level of adoption, you're going to have effectively mediocre, a, a lot of mediocre players playing it, mm-hmm. dragging down the win rate. I guarantee you the win rate of a whatever the equivalent is mm-hmm. of Bryant Cook for Blue Red Delver, whoever that would be. Is probably at a bannable win rate. Yeah. Well, that's that's why I like I like looking at challenge results over just like the whatever the MTG Goldfish has the meta is. Yeah. Because this isn't only just the best decks; it's the best players with the best decks. Right. The, it's the, the the people that are missing their chances to wasteland or whatever. Or they're choosing the wrong time to days. They're not making it into the top eights. No. These are the 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 top eights are full of um, the best players with the best decks. Generally speaking. Yeah. Yes. For the most part. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, you know. I could hop up in there and, in theory, go and win one of these. Yep. I don't play on online, so that's yeah. not going to happen. But, like, I'm certainly not the best player of any deck. Mm-hmm. But it's a little bit of luck is required to win every tournament. Yeah. So, metagame summary. Like I said, 28.12%. Nine decks of the top 32 blue-red Delver. Uh, we're just, I'm just going to call this Black Depths. Uh, that yep. might be slightly inaccurate. Uh, 15% five for Mono Black Depths. Mm-hmm. Eight cast and other and tests are threes, so nine percent. I mean, give me a second. There's effectively eleven decks in the format. Yeah, <laughs> nice wide format, right? <laughs> right. All in all of Magic's history, regarding you know, obviously there's a ban list, but like we have almost every card ever legal and legacy, and half of them are brainstorm, ponder, force, will decks, and there's eleven decks in the format. And this doesn't warrant a ban, so of course not. Well, and the the funny thing is, like people were talking about it, how like it seemed like blue red players were kind of switching to control decks. Now there's one control in the top thirty two. Mm-hmm. I guess they switched back because they got tired of losing. <laughs> yeah, they did it for three <laughs> weeks, and they were like, "This sucks." This is where I put on my tinfoil hat and go, "I wonder if Wizards paid a bunch of players to <laughs> to sleeve up, so to speak, yeah. blue red control or uh, blue white control, and." You know, tweak the meta. Obviously, that didn't happen. I'm just, you know, Alex Jonesing it here. But yeah, you're getting, getting a little too deep in the sauce, right? But yeah, it's just, it's just kind of funny how it's like for a couple of weeks, it just died down into nothingness, and that's the whole like, well, this keeps going, that's great, and then it's like, nah, we're still at thirty percent. Yeah. <laughs> so most play cards: brainstorm, ponder, force will, dark ritual, and DRC. Mm-hmm. Top creatures: DRC, Murktide, Delver, Dothy Voidwalker, and Vampire Hexmage. So there's your two decks: Blue the, Red uh, Delver and it's kind of cool the Dothy Voidwalker and the Vampire Hexmage making it in like 
yeah. black has been the pariah of legacy for a long time where it's been completely unplayable yep i uh that void walker when i saw that i was like i'm I'm just a huge fanboy of shadow as yeah. a mechanic and just if there was nothing else on there if that was just a three two shadow for two i'd be like oh cool they brought back shadow yeah and then there's 10 more lines of text so it's there's actually so there's so much, much going text. on there but I mean, a 3-2 unblockable for two is mm-hmm. it's effectively unblockable. Nobody runs Shadow. Yep. Um, top it ma- spells. It makes me wonder if, why doesn't anyone play red-black uh, Painter? Because, again, that pairs with Painter pretty well. That pairs with Grindstone because it's a replacement effect. Oh, no, they have to share. No, I think, yeah. no, it doesn't work. Yeah. I mixed up I mixed up the wording of Grindstone and the wording of Helm of Obedience. Gotcha, yeah. That, yeah, no. It, yeah, they, they do Because they ha- it, it has to check for color. Yep. So if you yeah, mill, it's not a matter of it being it, put in the graveyard. Yeah, because if you were mill two and they got replacement and exiled, then doesn't check it and it doesn't say anything. No, and it just stops. Yep, yep. I have a legacy podcast. <laughs> hey, you caught yourself. Yeah, sorry guys. <laughs> anyway, moving yeah. on. Uh, top spells. Top spells. Same thing. Brainstorm, ponder, force, will, dark ritual, expressive iteration. Hey, brainstorm, ponder down to fifty percent. Yeah, pretty cool. Yeah, pyroblast is sitting at fifty percent too. <laughs> Shh, don't worry about that. <laughs> Where's expressive iteration? Uh, expressive iteration twenty eight percent. So before we go into modern this week, uh, we do have that we did get some information on the ban. So the ban was primarily oriented around uh, explorer, which is a fake format anyway, and pioneer, which we will talk about pioneer probably in the bonus episode. That's where most of our pioneer stuff has been. But we did get a paragraph from wizards. I uh, love that. After it's been months since Ragavan, yep. <laughs> we're excited we got a paragraph. Yep. So Wizards came out in like January and said, we're going to ban Ragavan. We're going to keep a close eye on the meta in the coming months to see what's going on. And there was, for two or three weeks, there was podcast galore talking about, they said coming months, they're going to be watching a month or two. We might see another ban, another month or two. Six months later, and after three weeks in a row of Delver not owning this format, and I mean owning it, they come out with an announcement that boils down to... Uh, the format looks fine. Delver's not a problem, and we're not going to make any changes. Yeah, and I love how I uh, I was I was reading some Reddit stuff, and so they say um, talking about the the multiple archetypes. They, they say, and I and I quote: reanimator, control, resource denial, combo, and aggro are all additional macro types that are seeing success. Yeah, what's aggro, Matt? The only aggro deck that I could possibly even think of that comes close to a traditional definition of aggro is eight cast. Maybe that's the only one. Yeah, and there's a there. You're really like, yeah. You know what? Stretching. You know what the aggro, aggro, you know what the aggro deck in Legacy is? It's Blue Red Delver. Well, I know, but like, well, they said in addition to that, that's why they're. Which is well, that's the telling thing because they're talking about decks outside of Blue Red Delver. So it's like they're they're excluding this and they're saying other than Blue Red Delver, they're still aggro. Yep, apparently. The, and that what, has to so be a cast resource denial. I'm guessing that's supposed to be. It'd be like prison D and T. I don't even count D and I don't even count prison as resource denial. I would like, I mean because what what are most of your prison pieces? The most of them are gonna be um Trinisphere and We got Blood Moon. And I guess yeah, I guess Blood Moon counts because you're yeah, you're turning Okay. Okay. So I could see I could like, see that. If you like their resource denial to me is a pretty broad it's basically that their way of saying stacks. Yeah. 
in the that's fair. Red so Prison so is you, a stacks. You, you could put you could put Red Prison and D&T into a stacks list. Reanimator is a combo deck. I don't know why they separate those, but sure, whatever. Right. Well, like, they don't because they don't know what they're talking about. That's, that's all I'm saying. Is like you're gonna you're gonna reference aggro decks and legacy, which don't really exist. You're gonna mix up. You're gonna you're gonna spread out reanimator and combo into separate things. So just you need, you need just your to list, create another category. You need your list to be a little longer. Yep. And the other thing I see, what's do you see what's completely missing in this? Uh, read them again. No, I I don't. Sorry, I I mean the in the paragraph as a whole. Any numbers? Oh, yeah. Is there any data? There's no data. Do at we all. get an ounce of data to come out and say we've had six months to gather data? That's nah, fine. Don't see a problem. Yeah. Meanwhile, we talk about data. Now we talk about the same thing, but to be fair, we do that for a reason. Like, there's a reason we talk about the same challenge every week. It's so we compare apples to apples. Mm-hmm. So we go on Sunday because I mean we can we can look at this and we see the same people playing on Sundays. So we're looking at the same. Within reason, the same people playing at the same time of day. Like this is apples to apples comparison week over week. Mm-hmm. So we can control for as much as we can control. So we can have some actual data here. Mm-hmm. Now, again, it's certainly not foolproof. And there's there's more we could do to like dig deeper. There is some self-reported uh, win rate data for challenges and whatnot. Honestly, it'd take it double the size of this podcast if we went over it every week. Yeah, yeah, we don't. Yeah. So that's not really the point of what I mean, we're doing. It is an excellent resource. The it's the uh I can't remember what it's called. Wow, I can't even, I can't even think of the name of the person who runs it. I feel really bad. Yeah, he's on Twitter and he used to post it, them on I mean, it's, Reddit. It's it's absurdly popular. Yeah. And I, I I know I know his name. He runs an entire group of people they on um every every week. They check all. They go rewatch challenges to get yep. data. The people who play them report it. I can't remember who it is. Yeah. But yeah, they, there's a there's a ton of data out there. And Twitter has been uh, just full of people referencing like back then win rates, right now win rates, what's going on, and like just it's just hilarious. It's hilarious to me how. Well, um, they, the to me the reason you they don't do data, well, they don't just talk about data, is there is none. Well, it's not that there isn't any. It's that. So they can make, basically, they can make decisions and not have to justify them. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, like there's no, there is. Uh, I, I guess you're saying that that's why they'll never do it. That way, they can always just keep making. decisions. They can always just keep making the decisions because as soon as you put, like, and I mean, you can tell this is true because we have the times when they do ban things and they do cite data. We then use that data to critique why they haven't banned this. So it'll be like. You know, in the like when Sensei's Divining Top got banned, people are like, well, I mean, Miracles was 12% of the meta, and they mm-hmm. talk about that. Same thing with Deathrite Shaman. And that was one of the things that got Deathrite Shaman banned. It was like, well, it's it's up in that 12% meta range. Mm-hmm. So we had to do something we did with Miracles. We've got 20% of the meta is Blue Red Delver. Yep. But if we don't talk about data anymore, then we can't, then. Like, if Wizards stops talking about data, then we can't continue to use it against them as to why there should or should not be bans. Yeah. It's, every time I see one of these, these, these big old descriptions, there's, they always include some data of some kind, and it's just, it's always different, it's always intermixed, it's always, like, pseudo-random. Well, it's, well I'm, I know you know this, and so does everybody who's listening. It's called cherry-picking. Mm-hmm. They find whatever data they can, because I'm sure they have a ton of different metrics, they pick out the one that supports their case. That's the one they talk about. And then they make their decision based on that. Yep. When in reality, what they're making their decisions based on is uh, influencers in the magic community yeah. and what they don't like to play against. That's, yep. Like, like, <laughs> like in this one, you know, the, they referenced um, 
the meta the meta percentage of Winota being at like fifteen percent or whatever, and that's too much. Yep. And like fifteen percent stifling diversity in the yeah, format. Even though you look at all the recent tournaments and it's showing up between five and ten percent in the top eights or the top thirty twos, and fifteen percent also isn't that high of a meta share really especially compared to every other format we see that regularly has tons of decks well over 15% of the meta, especially especially Delver in Legacy. And it just, to me, it boils down to like, it's a bunch of people that got behind a bunch of influencers that said they hate this deck. Yep. And that's what got, that's what gets it banned. We are just banning cards that people think they don't, or that people don't want to play against and just love to talk about on their podcast and go, I hate losing to this deck and it shouldn't exist. And they're not even like, Winota isn't something that's obnoxious like Oko, where the game drags on and it's just like the whole. I I'm not going to say the whole game in a, a Winota match doesn't revolve around Winota. It doesn't always, mm-hmm. but it didn't always with Oko. But like Oko to me was just awful to play against and play with. Like it didn't win quickly, mm-hmm. but it just it was just like adding a, a shovel full of sand every, <laughs> onto the every, pile yeah. where it's just like I can't. Like, no other card could overcome the advantage, but it didn't win very fast either. Mm-hmm. And it was just obnoxious. This isn't that. It's like, oh, cool. Well, I got lucky on my Winota. You're dead. Yep. Next game. Yeah. That... <laughs> like... so, but to... let's bounce it back. There is there is a card that got banned that's relevant to us. Uh, yes. They finally banned Expressive Iteration. In Pioneer. Just the wrong fucking format. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, like, they admit that, and, and in, in my opinion, comically enough, without referencing any data, Yep. they say, hey, Expressive Iteration is in these blue-red decks. They're winning too much. We're going to ban it because it's too good. Yeah. And it's like, hey, guys. Um, that sounds really familiar. <laughs> that sounds really familiar how in Legacy there's this expressive iteration card that's in this blue-red deck that's winning too much, and it's unfun to play against, I guess. Right. I guess. Well, and the thing that drives me nuts is, like, we've talked about this before. In Pioneer, there's, like, three or four different blue-red Delver decks, and they are legitimately different. Like, just off the top of my head, you have... Arclight Phoenix, mm-hmm. which plays differently than Thing in the Ice. Thing in the Ice is normally played in blue-red control. And then you have uh, blue-red prowess. Mm-hmm. So depending on how you break up the Thing in the Ice decks, whether it's a control deck or a Thing in the Ice deck, you've got three or four. Those are very distinct archetypes. Like blue-red uh, prowess plays wildly differently mm-hmm. than yeah. like an Arclight Phoenix deck. I was talking yesterday with, uh, I don't, I don't, I won't, say his name but a, a, a guy that I play pioneer with and we talked about that how like yeah the, a lot of the meta is technically blue red but it's split up i mean phoenix control prowess and i mean and thing in the ice with phoenix yeah like there's there's three super distinct decks probably four distinct decks that yes they are running blue red but they're so different right they play differently the matchups but pan out differently but for this one they i guess i guess we just decide to lump all their data together because they're the same deck and we'll, again, we'll ban a card we cherry picked yeah <laughs> so we went how can we manipulate this data so to support our case now i don't remember if they said this they might have they've done this in the past where if they ban a card from the best deck they also try to predict what the next best deck is going to be and try to like preemptively take something from there maybe that's the concern as like, i didn't well, see anything about that in this Maybe it was like behind the scenes, though, that yeah, you're saying. Where they're like, well, if we get rid of Renota, if we get rid of Winota, then in their eyes, they see blue red is just taking over. Mm-hmm. And they're like, well, we'll just kind of nip that in the bud now. Now, as far as that goes, I don't really like, I kind of called this earlier when we were talking about 
what deck I should get. And I was like, I don't really want to build blue red because yeah. it seems like something could be yoinked out of this. But like expressive reiteration is a bullshit card. Mm -hmm. It doesn't bother me that they banned it outside of the fact that I didn't think like getting rid of expressive iteration isn't a problem. Pioneer didn't need any bans. Mm -hmm. Like those two things can both be true. But it's hilarious to me that you have the exact same scenario happening in Legacy and they're just they throw up their hands and they go, well, there's nothing yeah. wrong here. Clearly nothing's going on. I was so frustrated when I saw that today. Yeah. Well, I was everybody was talking about it on the Discord and I'm just like, I don't even want to put into text what I'm thinking right now. Because mm -hmm. like I try not to just react, especially in text. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, I thought about it. I took a nap. It was my day off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just let, you know, my subconscious do some processing and whatnot. And like the pioneer bands themselves, I don't play Winota. I can see the argument. I don't agree with it, but Winota is close enough. It It is breaking the rules that have got other things banned, mm -hmm. but so are a bunch of other things. So that's not a great argument. Yeah. But like I was scrolling down. I was like, because all the headlines were like, oh, you know, this was banned in. It was it was a pioneer band announcement. That's mm -hmm. what the headline was. Yeah. And I'm scrolling down the thing and I'm like, oh, they're talking about legacy. Cool. Cause it says other announcements. Yep. I didn't even see it. And then I was like, I read that and I'm like, are you kidding me? Like in the same band announcement, you've got, well, these in Pioneer Blue Red is potentially a problem. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so we're gonna ban Express Federation. I'm just like, okay, guys. Yeah. Like I don't know what else to say. Legacy is probably the worst I've seen it in a long time. Yeah, and it's, been, it's been that way for a long time too. Wizards is looking at it going, this is acceptable. So yeah. I don't, that that was something I talked about with Jake before the podcast. Um, this is good news in one sense. And that sense is like. Watsy's taking a stand. Watsy's taking a stand. We know where Watsy stands with this meta now. Yep. Because they banned Ragavan and then they, they were like, hey, we're going to give you, we want to see some data. Mm -hmm. And that took a lot longer than anybody thought. So we're kind of like, well, what's going on? Like, is this okay? Is something going to get banned? Watsi has just come out and said, this is an acceptable meta. So any decisions you want to make about legacy, you need to make that with this new information in mind. Yeah. If you like this format, great. I'm Apparently Watsi does too. Yeah. I, I still like talking about legacy and I still like legacy. I will almost certainly be uh, shifting even more of my personal finances and time into uh, definitely Pioneer and probably Modern. Like, well, I mean, why would why would people spend $6,000 on a deck to play in this format? Mm -hmm. Unless you, the only thing I think of, unless you just really love Blue Red Delver. Yeah. <laughs> like, this is, it's it, like, this is the magic you want to play. Which yeah. It's fine, I guess. And the, don't get me wrong, you're not getting any, any value judgments from me about that. Mm -hmm. Like I I have very particular things like oh, I yeah. like to play and I don't. If this is the metagame you like, have at it, knock yourself out. Yep. I, I enjoyed playing Oko Mirrors. I, yeah. I I love how I'll say that in like uh Twitches or chats and people on the screen will be like, How could you love Oko Mirrors? Who loves Oko Mirrors? Right. And I'm like, Oh, but it's okay to like D and T mirrors or Delver mirrors. I just right. can't like Oko Mirrors. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, the thing kind of... is, the Oko mirror to me was the only matchup with Oko that was even remotely interesting. Because, <laughs> like, the problem with Oko was either you played him or you had to play a deck that didn't care about him at all. Mm -hmm. Because, like, like if you're playing, you know, show and tell, or I mean, show and tell might not be a great example, but, like, something that just goes way over the top and is not going to sit there and try to grind with Oko, mm -hmm. then it doesn't matter that he's in there. 
But if you're trying to play any fair deck against Oko, it's just so one-sided that it's just like, why would I want to play or watch this? However, if the other fair deck is also an Oko deck and can handle that load, that's where you actually do have an interesting game of Magic because it's not a one-sided game. It's not predetermined. So, like, I, I didn't have any issues watching Oko Mirrors. I hated playing against Oko with, like, because at the time I was playing, I have Elves and Blue Red Delver, and playing it, playing against Oko and Uro and Arkham's Astrolabe with Blue Red Delver just felt like I'm, it felt like I took a, took a standard deck. It was just ridiculous. Like, the amount of value that those cards generate is insane. Yeah. Yeah, it's... It's just it is it. This is what legacy is going to be. Apparently, they they said they they made the change. They said they'll they'll watch it. They didn't make a change, and they came out and said we're glad we didn't make a change. And now we're definitely not going to make a change. And it's like, well, so, there's better formats to play. Yeah, and that's the thing is I've always said and, when legacy as when legacy is at its best, it's the best format. Yeah, I don't think it's that's best it's right now. It's not even close. Yeah, so. I just, I'm happy I've moved over to uh, I still have, I still own my legacy deck. I'm not selling my legacy deck, but I'm I moved over to Pioneer and I mean like I I spent fifty bucks on a Pioneer deck and I went two one at it's a it's a finite magic I get that yeah. but like I just showed up with an untuned I never played it before fifty dollar goblins deck and had a great time yep had tons of fun so yeah I'm ready to move on to to greener pastures for the time being uh, but listen I still will love looking at legacy from afar and watching and. Maybe something will happen. Maybe something will change. Maybe a new card will get. Maybe like I think unlicensed hearse is a great step towards helping to hold Delver back. Maybe we'll get another good answer here or there that will help pull Delver down a little more. Yeah, hopefully, or maybe we won't. <laughs> Either well, way, let's go over to modern. Yep. So for modern, we actually had a really big tournament, and we always try and talk about these big tournaments when they come up because it's kind of what I think most people are like prepping for is like a large tournament to go play in. So DreamHack Dallas happened. It was a Modern 10K. Uh, do I have the ability to get... I don't think I can like quickly pull up the number of decks on this page that uh, were a part of it. I heard there was about 400 people. Okay, so we'll say 350 to 400 people showed up. Huge, huge, huge event. Um, first place, I'm not totally surprised. Uh, Four-color Money Pile brought it home with Mason Clark. So obviously tons of shout-outs to Mason for that. Yep, well done. So four color money pile. This is basically four color uh, elementals with no risen reef. You've got the solitudes, fury, omnath. Um, you do have two ephemerate. I love it's called four color blink, and it has two ephemerate. Yep. This is not a like you can't run less than a, you can't call it a blink deck and run less than four blink effects. Right. So okay, but this is the uh, eight planeswalkers with Teferi and Ren and Six, and then tons of interaction and removal with like it's one Eladomri's call. And then two ephemerates, and then yeah, bolts, marches, counterspells. Nothing in here that isn't what we've seen for the last like three months straight. This is a 16 creature list, so that's always where I've kind of drawn the distinction on these. Whether you're running a 15, 16 creature list or like the 20 to 23 creature lists, mm -hmm. these lists always seem, I guess, so they're probably less powerful, but like more consistent because you have less creatures, and your creatures are probably the weakest part of your deck. Where when all your deck is answers, you're not really worried about what's happening on the other side of the board. Yeah. You put more creatures in there, you attain a faster clock, but now you're weaker to their things. Yeah, I mean, 16 creatures isn't a lot, even in a 60-card 60 60 no, deck. It, it, not at all. And yeah. this is an 80-card list. So that's the... Every time I see these, it's always a little surprising, and this is but the prime example of this list being an incredibly powerful list. I just... I When I see these, I think you're giving up a few percentage points to run the 16-card variant versus the 
versus the uh, like 20 creature variant. But either one, I'm just wrong, or two, a few percentage points doesn't it isn't what makes or breaks you on a single event. That's what we talked about, where like yeah. a few percentage points will make or break your 10,000th match, but not your ninth. Right. If I'm right. And I could be wrong. Second place was Jund, target player, which uh, I'm almost positive is a placeholder. But I was, I was going to read the names of the, whenever I do the top tournaments, we usually read like the name of the top five. Yeah. Like a huge tournament like this. So uh, good job, target player. It's an interesting first name. Nothing. No. No. Okay. What? It's a filler. Phil, find find a good co-host, guys. When you start your podcast, someone that I'm at least reading a, through the list. Someone that will at least acknowledge your jokes when you make them. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Brought it home with a Jun list, and so it's really cool to see Jun come in second place at a huge tournament like this. Because first of all, Jun didn't even fucking exist before MH2. It only kind of existed after MH2, and it's been in that weird spot where it'll show up for a week or two, be popular, and then it'll die away again. And we haven't seen Jund in the last month, two months in a top eight, or at least in a relevant spot. Jund has had no place in the meta as far as these high these higher tournaments go. And then it comes in today. Not only does it come in second, but I think it came in like fifth as well. Like I we put uh fourth. We put two Jund lists in the top eight of this four hundred person ten K. So that's huge. So one of the things I do want to say before we go on, because magic players are magic players. Jun has existed for a long time in the modern sense of modern, the more recent sense. It's been gone forever. I can guarantee you people are going to go, well, actually, Jun's been a thing for forever. Yeah. But yeah. Well, Jun used to be the thing. That's what I'm right. referencing. It's Jun been gone. Jun used to be the deck to play. Yep. And it was a big deal because Jun was very expensive. And it was yes. rough that the, the deck to play was so expensive in modern. That was before every deck cost 1500 bucks. Back in the day when a $1,500 modern deck was twice what a normal deck costs. Yeah. But yeah, um, modern yeah yeah modern exists for a long time. For a long time, it was the only thing worth playing. Um, but yeah, for a long time, Jund has been tier three. Yeah. After MH two, it started bouncing into tier two. And looking at today's top eight, you'd say it's a tier one deck. The the funny thing is that I'd like to point out. I just want to look at the other Jund deck just to make sure I'm not gonna talk out of my ass here. Well, cool. I'm glad I looked. So the fun, I was gonna say. Everybody was like, oh my gosh, I can finally play my Liliana of the Veils again. <laughs> and in the second place list, they're nowhere to be seen. Um, they are in the the one that got fourth. Yeah. So, but what that means is you can, you don't need to. Yeah. And the, the one that got fourth actually has a bit of a higher curve and has just quite a bit, quite a few different cards. It makes sense too, because the one in fourth is listed as a mid-range list, which I mean... I, so they're listed differently. I Jund is a mid-range deck. Yeah. But this, if they're if he's labeling that as a mid-range, it makes sense. He has that higher top end. He's mid-ranging harder. Maybe I could see that being a thing. But, but yeah. So the second place list, you've got four Ren and six. You've got sixteen spells that are just that are. It's literally just removal and hand disruption. That's all it is. Um, you've got a handful of artifacts because you have your three Urza Saga. So you have Urza Saga packages. Uh, that's actually all you have is Urza Saga targets. And then you've got four Goyf, four Ragavan, and three Tireless Tracker. Now, Tireless Tracker is kind of an interesting choice for Jun. We haven't seen that in the list that we were looking at weeks and weeks and weeks ago, because it did used to exist. We weren't seeing Tireless Tracker in that spot. We were seeing um, DRC usually in these lists. And that made sense to filter through your deck. It's a decent, it's an efficient threat. I want to say we were seeing like more like 14 creatures back then, and now we're only seeing 11. But I, it's been too long, I can't remember. Yeah. And I could just be wrong. But 3 Tireless Tracker is, um, uh, as far as I can tell, a relatively new pickup for a top-tier performing Jund list. 
Uh, I'm At least they used to run them when it came out, but yeah. it just hasn't been a Jun hasn't been a very real deck I say, since I'm, Tireless. Driver. I am sure, and I I literally look forward to this every week. I'm sure Emperor will school me on the placement of Tireless Tracker in the Jun lists. Um, fourth or third place? Oh, we'll 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 yeah. do the thing. We'll do with yep. fourth. So fourth place was also a Jun list. Christopher Conant. So this is a 14 creature list. That's what I was forgetting about. Seasoned Pyromancer. That is what is usually in these lists because Seasoned Pyromancer is a stupid card. That is the three drop we usually see over Tireless Tracker because the a two two with record with uh, utility in the graveyard that just draws you two cards at the end of the game is bonkers. In the mid game, it's pretty good to filter through your deck. Just you know, uh, it's discard, right? Yeah, you discard then draw two. So that, that's pretty good filtering. But the end game, when you get in a top deck war, which is what Jund is dying to do. Jund is dying to put us in a top deck war. When you go to rip yours and it's just, oh, I I drew my two two that draws two. Now parity is completely broken. The one for ones that have happened for the last four turns are completely justified by making a two two and then drawing two more cards. There's a huge difference in these two lists. They're com- yeah, they're way different. There's no Urza Saga on this fourth place list. Oh uh, yeah, not, I yep. didn't make the part. There's not even Urza Saga. The creature suite is 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 very different as well. Yep. This is these are within the realm of Jund. Yes. These are two very different decks. Yes. Well, this is like in Pioneer. The difference between Arclight Phoenix and Prowess. Right. Whereas, so you do have four Ragavan because it's the best red card probably ever printed. The best red creature. It's definitely the best red creature. The only other red card I can think of that's even close is Lightning Bolt. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you have two Kroxa. You have four Goyf. You've got one Tyler's Tracker and three Season Pyromancer. So you're picking up the th- the three Pyromancer, which is obviously a great mid-game um, uh, threat slash, not card advantage, but um, digging potential and then an amazing late game refuel and Kroxa is one of the best cards these colors have access to for late game potential in terms of uh ending games quickly yep value and a very strong yep. threat also great synergy with season pyromancer where yep. you usually want it in the graveyard anyway just chuck it in there yep. and you're even if it's not your season pyromancer isn't fueling the later escape costs yes yes so that is a big that's a big jump and then the planeswalkers we get pick up those three lilianas yeah, this list is almost as different as you can get. Even in the spells, we're running two Riveteer's Charm. Yeah, I saw that. Yep. The Jund Charm. So for people that don't know this, because most of these most people read over these and ignored them because we didn't think they'd make legacy play. So it costs Jund, black, red, green. Target op- uh, You choose one. Target opponent sacks a creature or a planeswalker they control with the highest uh, CMC among creatures and planeswalkers they control. Is that That's or, right? So I have a question. Yeah. If you have, do you get to choose creature or planeswalker, or is it just the highest CMC? If you have a four drop creature and a five drop planeswalker, does it always hit the planeswalker because it's higher, or do you get to choose? Do I get to choose my my biggest creature or my biggest planeswalker, or is it biggest period? I know if they're tied, you get to pick. I don't know exactly how. You think about it. The other yeah. thing is, so you can also exile the top three cards of your library, and until your next end step, you may play those cards. So as an instant. That gets a lot more relevant where you're going to be end of turning that probably. You don't want to play that on your turn. You can if you, if you have like 10 mana. But the idea that you're drawing three cards, but you only get them to your next end step. So that's something yeah. you'll... Maybe you save up some mana for a counter... Oh, it wouldn't be a counter spell. Like some removal or something. Or a Culligan's Command. You don't have a good target at the end of their turn. Cast that Riveteer's Harm. Draw three cards. And the other one is Exile Target Player's, uh, target player's Graveyard. So yeah, you can make them sack a... You can basically K-Command them... A, well, not K-Command. But make some sack a creature. You can... Uh, Edict them. Yeah. You can make them edict their biggest thing, creature or planeswalker. You can uh, basically exile three cards from your library to play until your next end step, or you can exile someone's graveyard. So what was your question again? 
What I was wondering is, do I get to choose whether it whether or not it's Creature or Planeswalker if they're different the, CMCs? Well, I think what, if or, I'm reading this right, is I cast this and I go, you sacrifice a creature. And then you have to sacrifice the creature with the greatest CMC. I don't think you get to choose, though. It's creature or you because you would only get to choose you only get to choose one of those options you don't get to make multi you don't get to make many choices inside that option do you not sure i guess the wording on it's kind of weird i guess you but you technically could because when you cast uh what's the what's the blue red one the blue red uh that came out in strixhaven i know what you're talking about but i can't remember the well the k command k command you get to choose a target so i guess you get to you get to pick things you get to choose targets in there but yeah, they sacrifice they sacrifice a creature or planeswalker they control with the highest mana value. So what I'm saying is if you have a goif and a narset, do you get to choose to sack your goif and keep your narset, even though the narset has the higher CMC? Does it check is it a board wide check for what has the highest CMC sack it? Or do you have to sacrifice either your highest CMC creature or your highest CMC planeswalker and you get to pick as the player? Yeah, I'm not um, the wording's kinda weird. It's probably simple. I'm sure that to most people yeah, it's very we're simple. Sound but like a idiot to me here, that's but... just that was uh, a little confusing to me, so sorry about that, guys. But that's the only like interesting pickup that I see. No, I think it's just so. Well, he well he didn't. Nothing else in here looks particularly interesting. Um, I mean, listen, a very different Jund list, but nothing that I'm surprised to see in a Jund list. You know, I've ex- we went through all the things that are like new or different. So we'll bump back to third place. Matt's still thinking about that. I think they get to pick. I think it just has to be the. Highest CMC of those two. At this point, we've spent enough time on it. I'm sure somebody will let oh, us yeah. know somewhere. This is one of the most interesting things about running a podcast is as soon as you can't think of the answer on the fly. Everyone else has it. Everyone else does. Yep. It's so, great, actually. We'll bump back to third place. So this is a bring to light list uh, with basically it's trying to run Scape Shift. Another list that like existed and we have seen, but very rarely. Yeah. Another solidly tier two, borderline tier three deck coming in third place at this huge 400-person tournament. So three Grazer. We've got one Valky, God of Lies, which I believe you can still bring to light out, um, which obviously isn't what you always want to do, but bringing the light out a Valky is, or a Tybalt is pretty strong because I think you can yeah, choose it. It's a couple mana advantage. Yeah, you can choose it and then cast your Planeswalker. And there's a lot of times where the ability to re- um, removing an artifact or a creature is what you need to not die. And it is card advantage where you're con- you're every turn you're drawing extra cards. Uh, Dryad of Legion Grove and Omnath, seven Planeswalkers with Red and Six and Teferi. Um, so you've got Prismatic Ending for removal and Supreme Verdict for wipes. The single Scape Shift to win the game. Uh, four Express Viteration, that card that got banned in Pioneer because it's too good. Except everywhere else it's fine. And four Bring Delight, which is kind of the <laughs> the meat of the deck. Obviously the deck is okay on its own between like casting um, Omnaths and uh, Dryads to get tons of advantage and value. But Bring Delight is what really brings the deck home. You're going to be bringing Delight, usually for your escape shift. You're going to sack all your lands. You're going to go get your Valakuts and all your mountains and just dome them for victory. Yeah. In the event that's not going to work, obviously you can go get Valky and solve a problem. But that's, that that it's called Bring Delight for a reason. It's, it's a combo deck. It's, yep. it's absolutely a combo deck. Drives me nuts that the one card I specced on was Bring Delight. And it's, it was year, it was Battle for Zendikar. But the thing is, they had all those lands, mm-hmm. and it was just a rare in it. And like, I think the full art lands just made the print run of that just huge. Yep. Too much of it got open. It's opened. a dollar. <laughs> yep. For those for a relatively old, yeah, powerful rare. Well, I mean, right above it is Supreme Verdict, which has been printed more times uh-huh. than the box of piece, and it's a one up. It's cost ten times as much. <laughs> no. Yep. 
Way to spec. Uh, and then this list, somewhat relevant, has 28 lands in it because it's you have to have you have to be making your land drops yeah. every turn so that you have enough lands to sack and win with Scapeship because you only get yep. one go with this. Uh, you can't be going into turn five and miss your land drop. You have to be hitting lands to get to five, six, seven lands. Yeah, and this is one of those decks where like you don't want to ramp out with like a Land of War Elf because mm-hmm. that's not getting no, you anywhere. You need land based ramp. That's why you have the Grazers. Yep, why you the have Grazers the, and the Dryad. Like yep. And these decks like. So obviously Dryad puts it on easy mode where I mean you can if you have Dryad you can just go get four Valakuts and that wins the game because yeah. they are they I think they all see each other because they're all yeah mountains. but you have to have like well, at least five mountains so you go get four Valakuts and a mountain and they all see each other yeah but even without Dryad this deck can very easily win with like with like eight lands or whatever you go get you know go get a Valakut or go get two Valakuts and then go get a bunch of uh, shock lands that are mountains and they'll see all of them yeah. So you don't even have to have Dryad to win this. It makes a lot. It puts it on easy mode, but you don't even have to have Dryad. Nothing particularly interesting, other than, uh, sorry, other than in the mana base or the sideboard that I'm seeing, we could see some of the new Triomes. Nobody was surprised to when to see those. I I told you I bought my. I needed one for my Modern Reanimator deck, and so I bought like the Showcase Fancy version for like eleven dollars pre-order. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I remember the last time those came out in Ikoria. And they were standard legal. They were fifteen dollars for the regular ones, and this is pre-selling for eleven dollars for the fancy one. And now they're like, like the fancy one I got is like twenty five, thirty bucks. Because like, duh. Yep. Yeah, I had no idea why. I have no idea who missed the boat on that one. So jumping down to fifth place, we have our first hammer list, Azorius Hammer. This is the hammer list we've seen for weeks now. And as soon as Lurus got the can, and we weren't forced into black, we immediately picked up blue for Reality Chip, Spell Pierce and maybe some sideboard cards like Meddling Mage or Lavinia. This is a semi-interesting list in that we've actually cut out all of the instants and sorceries. So Steel Shaper's Gift, Blacksmith Skill. Um, I guess we we do still have... Uh, oh, no, we still have... We, still, we, we still have a couple. There's we have th- Steel Shaper's Gift. Um, we didn't cut them all out. I don't know why my brain did that. I'm we tired. We overlooked them. One yeah. Spell Pierce and two Steel Shaper's Yeah, gift. we have the Spell Pierce. We cut out... We, we, we cut out the Blacksmith Skill, but... Yeah, everything I just said is wrong because I <laughs> I literally looked at creatures and then looked at artifacts and I spaced right over it, even though I said Spell Pierce earlier. Matt, you're working me too hard. I guess. <laughs> so re- disregarding what I just said, this is a this is actually a relatively standard list of what we've seen. The artifact suite we're running, we are running the one Paradise Mantle. That's the weirdest thing we see in these usually. We've got uh, only two Spring Leaf Drum, which we've seen that teetering between two and four. Used to be a solid four of. Some of your strongest starts were... You know, turn one, land, Memnite, drum, other thing. And now they're, we're slowly ticking back on that case. We've only got three Memnites and three Ornithopters. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we do have a Cauldra Complete and a Shadow Spear to pair with the Stoneforge Mystic. There's the word. Yeah. Other than that, pretty standard. Yep. I I am imagining the Springleaf drums just dwindling on those a little bit is just... That kind of card, just playing in Infinity, it's just a horrible top deck. And like you, I imagine what we're doing there in this this guy's list is just trading a little bit of power for consistency. That, it's that explosiveness, yeah, we're, yeah. Which is odd to me that you're you're removing explosiveness from this combo deck. That like the idea is a turn two or turn three win, and you're removing explosiveness. I mean, like we tried that in Legacy with Black Red Reanimator, with blue with blue red Reanimator, like or blue black, like. When you remove the explosiveness from these glass cannony combo decks, usually you're worse off for it. Clearly, that isn't the case with this deck, at least in this instance. But it's an interesting 
uh, deck building choice to make to reduce explosiveness to then hopefully improve on, like you said, late game top decks. Yeah. Well, and with Stoneforge and Cauldron Complete, you do still have a decent mid game. That's true. That's very true. You don't have, like, obviously you want to kill them as quickly as possible, but unlike Reanimator, you're not required to do it Mm -hmm. on turn one or turn two. And especially with these lists, like going into the later turns or the uh, later matches, later games in the match, you're going to be bringing in cards that do slow you down, like your your meddling mages and your Lavinias and your Hushbringers, stuff like that that actively is going to make your game go longer. Mm -hmm. That's true. That's a good point. That's a good point. I mean, we're looking at trying to justify cutting a couple Springleaf drums here. Yeah. A lot of this stuff is just, it's tweaking around the edges and why. But the important thing is, and this is something I've talked to to Jake about a ton, is whenever you're making, looking at this, these decisions, you don't just want to assume they're arbitrary. Mm -hmm. Like, why is this guy cutting a couple Springleaf drums? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I doubt it's because he didn't own the third Springleaf drum. There's got to be a reason. So let's get into his thinking and, you know, so. Oh, I I, I think I forgot to say the names. Um, so we had OZ Romero in third place, uh, and then fifth place that hammered us was Travis Brown. Sixth and seventh place are both Golgari Yogmoth lists. So they're listed as one of them having red and one doesn't. It's literally a single Magus of the Moon yep. in the side. There isn't really red mana being heavily utilized in these decks. Now, there is a bit of a difference in that one of them is running the Hapatra uh, card, whatever that yep. chick is called. Hapatra what? Something? Uh, Vasir of Poisons. Yeah. And then they're, they are both running Dural's Messenger, which is a huge step away from what we've seen for uh, over a month now, where yeah. uh, Golgari Yogmoth has been in a really good place pretty much ever since the format settled after the Luris ban, because Graveyard Hate really dipped down, and that's why we saw Living End skyrocket, and we saw Yogmoth skyrocket, because... It just wasn't as good to run your graveyard hate when everyone isn't running Lurus. And as soon as graveyard hate goes down, graveyard decks go up. Yogmoth is probably the strongest graveyard deck, or at least the strongest, like on average, graveyard deck. Um, Cascade Living End is probably the most raw power. Yeah, but this is probably the most like uh, consistent or like yeah I, sustainable. I think Yogmoth is overall the better deck. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you're just yeah. looking to spike a like yeah. a FNM. Yeah. And I'm and I, Cascade. Cascade is the more powerful deck. Yes, for sure. But this is the stronger deck. And that's, that's a weird distinction to make. But hopefully, hopefully listeners kind of understand what we're saying. Um, I believe both of them are running Blood Artist. And so this is kind of more traditional to what we th- said we would run, where I would just run both. I would run Blood Artist and I would run uh, Groff's Messenger just so you have the redundancy where if you lose one, you got the other. It's not that big a deal. And losing one feels relatively easy to do. Beyond that, Looking at both of these lists, they look very similar. I don't really see anything in here that's uh, jumping out. Like as I kind of bounce between them, has anything popped up to you that looks uh, either different between them or different from what we've seen recently? Nothing in the main. The sideboards are a little different. Um, we've got. I do love the obstinate Balath in the side. Uh, that card's old school, <laughs> not what? like super old, but uh, that's your anti Thoughtseize tech. <laughs> so four I... mana, four four, ETBs you gain four life, and if anything would. If cause it, you to discard it, you put it onto the battlefield instead. If an instead. opponent, so if they thought sees you and it's the only card in your hand, you just get it free for four. That can't be what it's there for. <laughs> that, that's that's what, I mean, thought sees is a little different, but like that's what that card's for is for like Liliana's, Culligan's commands, thought seizes, that kind of thing. So for the Liliana, I get it. but Or Liliana and K command, I get it, I guess, because you get to choose. But thought sees, 
In what world are they thought seizing you? So you drew this. It's the only card. You drew it for turn. And then you you don't have four mana, so you chose to not play it in the hopes they thought seize there's, you. I'm not saying I'm not saying well, there's a reason we don't see it very often. <laughs> yeah. Like I said, it makes sense with Liliana and it makes sense with K Command. Th- those are the three cards in modern that consistently make your opponent discard a card. It's obviously much better against K Command and Liliana. Because mm-hmm. duh. Yeah. But your choice. You can get people on a thought. I've had it happen to me <laughs> where you thought see somebody and they just go land, land, ballast, and you're just like, okay. Yeah, I guess that's true. You could have a you could have a hand packed with lands and a ballot, and that's the only legal but choice. Yes, the primary things there are your K commands and your Yeah. You know the stuff that's target opponent target opponent discards, discards a, card. a card. Yeah. But Which you can get of. them with a thought seize. And, and it's I mean hilarious when it happens. It does make sense that I it, it's it's not makes sense, but it's interesting that yeah. You see an absent battle where you're like you're playing really into that discard, and we had two Jundlis pop out of nowhere to top eight this. Yep. So, I mean, I guess I can look up. Well, let me see if I can find Jund real quick. Jund was four percent of the overall meta, which isn't a ton, but more than I would have thought for a solid tier three deck. Well, the the this is to me that is a symptom of the paper meta just being different. Yeah. There's probably a ton of people who owned Jund. And it's kind of fallen out of favor, and just never sold their cards. Yeah, and they and they can't afford to buy a new and one. And they go, buy a oh, new deck. cool, because I mean, if you that's that was to me the most interesting thing. That guy who got third, that list is real old. I mean, he he Ragavan's like the newest card in it. Mm-hmm. That's true. <laughs> so, yeah, that's like, that is a that is a, that is a John list. Old school Jund. With, He's got uh, Ragavan and Urza I mean, Saga. Season Pyromancer. That's a relatively new pick. No, for that them. was that was the guy who got. Uh, sorry, the guy who got second. Oh, you're looking at the second place yeah, list. Yeah, the second place list. The guy who got second, he's running yeah, tireless we, trackers, goyfs, yep. red insects. Like he's got this is old school Jund. Again, he's adapted it some. But well, yeah, the, yeah, you're right. The only new cards that got printed are well the Gigantha in the side, the Ragavans and the Sagas. That's basically the only new cards we have. Well, I guess well, and beside you, we have a few Yeah. But like if you're sitting on a fifth on a if your list in total costs a thousand bucks or fifteen hundred dollars and you need to throw Another, another bucks 120 bucks at it to go play in a 10k, or you just go, hey, can I borrow your Beseju? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like th- this is the Jund is exact. I mean, I still have my Lilianas. Yeah, <laughs> like it's just yep, so you I'm just sold. don't get rid of these cards. So you're just like, I'm gonna sleeve up some Jund. Yeah, that makes sense. An OG Jund player showed up, or I shouldn't say showed up, but tuned his deck a bit, showed up, and you know, almost won. So last place, last in the top eight. Eighth place was a Demir Mill list. Yay. Which is kind of cool to see Mill because we haven't seen Mill really at all. Mill is one of those like incredibly powerful decks. I see it, uh, this is for Pioneer, but there's actually a really powerful uh, Pioneer Mill deck that's pretty scary. Mm-hmm. So it's cool to see it pop back up, Turbo Mill into Modern. How different is the Pioneer one to this? Um. Well, I can look at this and tell you what you don't get. So you don't get Surgical Extraction. You don't get uh, Visions. You you do get you don't get push. Do you get push? Fatal push. You get push. Yeah, yeah. you, you get push. push. Um, you get both the crabs. You don't get archive. You don't get both crabs. Like you you lose gotcha. a lot. Um, you each of crabs. Tw- <laughs> I don't think you get fractured sanity either. I think fractured sanity is a commander card. So there's it's actually incredibly different. Gotcha. What was that? What, he jumped crab. He crab a place that's twenty two bucks. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a little <laughs> pricey for a crappy crab. <laughs> So that's like they're like they're like six bucks a piece. <laughs> yeah, that's hilarious. But um, yeah, so we have the full eight crabs. Uh, you heard me read most of the spells, but you know, pushes, extractions, visions, 
Uh, Tasha's is the biggest ad. Tasha's is probably the one card that made this a thing. Yeah. Like, like Mill was always, well, Mill always existed, but like Mill became good and scary when you had Tasha's. So that one, it just, it just churn any format that has decks that are like really low to the ground. It, it's a three mana, you know, Mill 20. It's basically a three mana traumatized. Yeah. And it also exiles, which is so relevant. That's huge. There's a lot of decks that they get utility from their graveyard. They get they can use their cards from the graveyard, or they'll have some decks have to have Eldrazi, which isn't much of a modern problem, but especially in Legacy and other formats. But they have shuffle effects, and this just blows through all that. It's an incredibly clean, incredibly powerful mill spell, and it is. I think like Saffron did the math at one point, and for most decks in most formats, it is the most efficient mill spell ever printed by quite a lot. Yeah. Well, I mean. Think about, just to go back to your point about the exile, think about just exiling, doing Tasha's hideous laughter against blue-red, mm-hmm. and then they just have two uh, Merc Titans in their hand. Yep. And they're just like, bup, bup, done. Yeah. Like, I just put 20 power on the board effectively. Swing. Yeah. And you have no way to deal with it. Yep. <laughs> so, like, that exile yeah, is it's, huge. It, like, Mill is... Mill is is kind of a scary thing to be trying because magic has moved so much in the last like three to five years of like getting so much utility from the graveyard. Like filling their graveyard is scary. Yeah. I mean, against a lot of these decks, you're effectively drawing you're not costing them anything. Mm-hmm. Because again, they have newer access. Ma- newer magic players look at mill being milled as losing a resource, and you are in the absolute strictest sense because obviously if you run out of cards, you die. Yeah. But like you wouldn't you weren't you weren't going to draw fifteen cards deep. Yeah, one well, way or the other. And I look, I mean, but now the cards are in your graveyard, and you can mess with them. I build all my decks nowadays to utilize the graveyard in some way. If you're right. not utilizing the graveyard, you're just wrong in some way. And so, when people mill you, you should have things in your deck to take advantage of that, and you should be able to let that be a resource to you. Yep. Um, a lot of times, any more modern magic revolves around like either using the graveyard or having a ton of ETBs and blink. Yeah, like those are two. Well, it's value. It's all about yeah, value. It's and just about getting. Value. Are you getting the most value out of? your creature's ET being or using stuff from the graveyard or both. Yep. You, one way or the other, you need to use this card twice. Mm-hmm. Uh, you do get one Snaring Bridge in the main and a Nihil Spell Bomb to yep. help basically nuke relevant graveyard things. Other than that, it's just a bunch of, it's just a few counter spells, a few removal spells, and then a ton of mill because that's all you're doing is milling. Alrighty, so the metagame, it's a li- I don't get like top 32s, so I'm just going to read through the, the top couple lists. So we've got Murktide Regent bringing home 11% of the meta in uh, the modern 10k. So 21 decks total. Uh, well, that'll tell us. If 21 decks is 11% of the meta, then we're looking at closer to 200, unless there was a reporting error. Could be. So it's possible there's a reporting error, or it's possible there was only 200 to 250 decks. Still, that's still a very large tournament. It is a large tournament. But so at least as what we have recorded, Murktide eleven percent, Yogmoth at seven percent, Hammer Time at six percent, Crashing Footfalls at five percent, Blue Living End at four and a half percent, and now we're down to a bunch of fours and whatnot. Yeah. Um, and I don't. Do we get card data? We do get. So most someone fo- showed up with an elf deck. <laughs> oh, did they? Yeah. Yeah. What did he get? Uh, have fun. Continue. Fi- yeah. Have fun finding. Seventy six. Seventy six. So hey, top eighty. That's Continue. Hilarious. I'll be looking at this list. Well, you can go, oh, yeah, so down here it says 189, which also doesn't, does see, and that also doesn't coincide with uh, 11% of two, two, of 21. Yeah, there's. So there's some reporting errors in there somewhere, which when, you, when you're looking at two to 300 lists, it makes sense there's some reporting errors. Most played cards in this tournament, Lightning Bolt, Ragavan, Endurance, Mishra's Bubble, Counterspell, and top creatures, Ragavan, Endurance, 
Dragon Rage Channeler, Solitude, and Fury. Oh, look, MH2. Oh, Legislator right. made it at six. That's kind of interesting. Legist- I, I, I'm ever it, every week. I'm time. proven more and more wrong about Legislator. Um, there was actually what we didn't see a single Legislator in the top eight. Just um, saying. it might have been the challenges. There was there was some uh, Grixis Death Shadow coming back with Legislator in Modern. Interesting. Um, keep going. I'll I'll look that up and see. If and I then can. top spells: Lightning Bolt, Mistress Bobble, Counterspell, Mystical Dispute, and Expressive Iteration. Uh, if you want to keep thinking of that, you can, Matt. It or we won can... the Sunday challenge. Got you. Was it running Murktides? Or did it replace Murktide with Ledger Shredder? Got Death Shadow, DRC, Ragavan, two Kroxa, and four Ledger Shredder. Interesting. And only three Death Shadow. Not what I expected to see. I I really thought those decks weren't going to lose too much when they lost Lurus because they just pick up uh, Murktide. Yeah. And instead of picking up Murktide, they just left. Yep. But apparently what we needed is uh, Ledger Shredder. Yeah. And the, this deck, it's this is one of those, like, Yes, technically it's a Death Shadow deck. Yeah. But it, this is not, when we think of a Death Shadow deck, you're talking about stuff like Snuff Out and like stuff to intentionally just dramatically lower your life total. Is this, it literally running Shocklands and Fetches? Yes. And Thoughtseize. And Thoughtseize. Okay. Like it, this isn't. Is it running Bolt? One Lightning Bolt. <laughs> so you can't even Bolt. It's like a common thing you see in these Shadow lists is you'll Bolt yourself a lot. Yeah, Bolt yourself, swing for three. Yeah. Or, it, or it lets you play your shadows a turn earlier. Yeah, I know what you mean, but it accelerates out your shadows. Yeah, and wow. So yeah, this is this is we're quickly approaching a list that runs shadow, not a shadow list. Yeah, and well, and that's one of the things I've actually talked about with a couple people about shadow is like I think it's a decent card in these kind of lists, especially in modern. Anyways, mm-hmm. if you're if you're looking because I mean this is effectively a mid range list. It's more creature heavy than a lot of them, but it's yeah. a mid range list. You're looking to make the game go long anyways. At some point, you just sandbag a couple Death Shadows and play your game. Mm-hmm. Like, you just... Because, I mean, you're you're working off... I mean, this this list is working off the back of DRC and Ragavan. Mm-hmm. And to some degree, Ledger Shredder. And it just has Death Shadows in it. It just has that top end. But eventually, you're going to get down where this is a one-mana 5-5. Five five. And at yeah. that point, it's a very good card. Yep, that's that's very good. And it just gets bigger the game the, the longer the game goes. Gotcha. But yeah, this... Technically, it's Death Shadow, but I wouldn't. That's not anything like a dedicated Death Shadow list. Gotcha. Alrighty, so we are going to go into our Patreon exclusive content. We're going to go a little deeper into how we feel about the Pioneer Ban and like what we think it means for Pioneer going forward. So as we wrap our episode up this week, Matt, was there anything else you wanted to cover before we go into a kind of our end credits? The Elves list looks pretty stock. There's nothing new to report for elves. How can it be stock if the list doesn't ever exist? Because there's always people like me, and we keep a running total of what's going on in elves oh, in every okay. format. Okay. This is identical, within reason, to like what I would run. There's nothing new or exciting going on in modern elves for anybody who listens. You've got a couple realm walkers. Uh, the big thing to report back is it's Golgari. There was that card that was basically a two mana glimpse of uh, nature. Oh yeah. There's none of that. Oh, sad face. Yeah, they're just Realm Walkers, kind of the same thing. It lets you play elves off the top of your deck. It's not literally the same thing, but effectively it is mm-hmm. in a lot of cases because I mean these run 38 elves. Um, so as far as the elves go, still nothing to report. Uh, looks like you can technically sleeve it up and play in a tournament. Yeah, they will let you register it. They will let you register it. (laughs) (laughs) And I'll tell you what. There doesn't seem to be any reason to. You will catch a lot of people off guard. Well, I mean, he went four and four. So, like, at a big tournament like this, four and four, that's not a horrible record. I wonder if they only record the people (gasps) that finish. This is Dana Fisher. So, there's, uh, I don't pay super close attention to Magic Pros, but she's this little girl 
who like the first time she she played in like a GP or whatever. And there were posts all over social media where like she was like, I don't even remember, very young. But like she'd be holding the sleeves like her dad had would have to come and like shuffle for her because mm-hmm. she physically was too small to hold the, to shuffle her deck. It's Dana Fisher. That's cool. Gotcha. So she she's relatively well known. Uh huh. Yes, I've heard the story. I've seen uh, I've seen the picture. I've shown the pictures of Sarah, my wife, of her holding. They look like oversized cards. Yeah, they she's look a very, like she's a very small child. Yeah, they look like the Vanguard cards. She's at PT. She's at fucking PTQs and Grand Prix. Yeah, so she went four and four. She went four and four in a ten k. Yeah, um, I was so I was good. I was just thinking. I wonder if the reason these numbers are so diminished is I wonder if they only count people that finished. Could be. There's so like she went a ton four of people and four. Dropped. A lot of people once they hit four and two. They dropped. Yeah, and I wonder if they, maybe they don't record that data. Could be, or they record some of it. Or, yeah, I, I bet there's. I bet those cutoffs in there. He's saying they might have had 400 people show up, and then after round two, 120 people left. Yeah, because I'm. Which I was talking to the guy I'm trying to get to go to this, uh, the modern 1K, because he's never. He's this. Uh, we've got a few people that have only replayed Commander, and so I'm like, this is a great opportunity. If you want to see an RE, a comp REL, let's go play some modern or something. And I'll loan him a deck of mine or a deck yeah. of yours. And I was like, what's most likely going to happen? Because he was like, how long does it last? And I was like, oh, eight hours is what a tournament lasts. Yeah. For you, two rounds. What most likely <laughs> is going to happen is the two or three of us are going to go. We're going to go three and two or two and two and go, all right, guys, ready to go home? And yeah. fucking leave. But their potential is if someone hits top eight, we'll be there for eight or nine hours. And that's probably most people just bailed. Yeah. Anything else? No, congrats to Dana. Like, she's an elves player. Yeah. Like, she, it's not just that, but she she all basically she plays as elves, and yeah. I thought that was really cool. And I that was like, cool. I was looking at a six year old. I'm like, wow, she's accomplished more in magic than I ever will. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. Well, she's one of those things where I can type her name in MTG and see a hundred pictures of her. Yeah, there's results. Hey, let me type in your name MTG and see what happens. Yeah, there's not results. <laughs> None of those are you, Matt. I'm telling right. you. Yep. So, <laughs> so I just thought it was cool. I I love elves. Alrighty. Um. Before we wrap up today, I do want to give one more big shout out to our patrons. You can support us at patreon.com forward slash cantrip cartel. Super, always appreciate everyone who wants to reach out and support us in a very real fashion, like Emperor, like Ramblin' Rogue, like Derek, and like Joe. We yeah. really appreciate it, guys. It means a lot. Yeah. And we're using that money to not only support the podcast and get new equipment and whatnot, but we're sponsoring these tournaments. Yep. It, it is helping us grow on top of our podcast, our local magic scene, and yeah. Uh, it was a big deal. I was talking to, I don't want to name drop him, the the guy who started it, basically. He's basically handed it over to me because I was like, I want to run this. And he was like, cool, I just want to play. Yeah. But he was saying they before the pandemic, they were trying to get it going and they never really got it to above like or more than a regular four or five people. And I think part of that is, perfect example, Matt, do you want to go to a to go play FNM when it's usually four or five people and doesn't fire? No. Nope. So if I sponsor it, if we sponsor it, I, did, I was talking to the shop owner. At Sage's Shop in West Lafayette. If four people show up, we can cash because I double. Yeah. It takes eight to cash. Eight gives us eight gives us a tournament that he can like afford to give money back. And so as long as four people show up, with me doubling it to eight, we're good to go. You'll get some money today. So we'll basically never not fire because I'm one of them. Right. So we need I need three people to show up. And I hope that is the incentive for people need to be like, well, it's it's certainly gonna fire. I'm certainly gonna play some matches and make some money. I might as well go. Yep. And I guess it showed last week where the very first one we tried to host, we had enough people come out where we had a nice big tournament happen. So like us being able to support it, I believe wholeheartedly is what helped grow that immediately to something that's real enough to exist. Yeah. And that's like I said, that's what you uh, are helping us. You are helping support that through me and Matt. So 
Yep. Thank you very much. And I plan on being there as soon as my deck comes in. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. If you only have like two thirds of it, you proxy that shit up and you show up next Monday. I want to see you there. It'll be fun. It was More so like much it. fun. We were howling and laughing, and we was we, at one point. Mike had to come up and be like, "Hey guys, I know we're having a lot of fun, but a kid just walked in, and we we're like, oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah, we can't be screaming out f bombs." <laughs> well, one of the people because he plays spirits, uh, dubbed himself Spirit Richard, so he can say Spirit Dick all day. <laughs> And we were like, oh, shit, sorry. I, we need to get a bell. And I, I need to talk to ding the guys. Ding. We get a double dings. If a kid walks in, ding, ding. Okay, guys, calm down for 10 minutes. <laughs> you got to come. It's, it's, it's a ton of fun. It's, it's, um, anyone who's played at a card shop will know that sometimes at card shops you get people that can be kind of rude or kind of salty or kind of unfun to be around. We ain't got none of them. They're all fun people. We even had two girls there. Nice. So, just saying. I'm married, dude. <laughs> I know, but we're, that's but that's how fun we are. Yeah. We're so we're getting girls at the card shop. Do you look at her and go, "Wow, you're really good for a girl"? <laughs> no, I don't, because she won't show up. She again. beats me a lot. I can't say that. <laughs> um, big shout out also to Will and Aramis at the Plain Soccer's Podcast Monday, Wednesday, Twitch.tv forward slash Plain Soccer's Podcast, Plain Soccer's Podcast dot for the Discord, or is it Discord.com forward slash Plain Soccer's? I don't know. Yeah, it's that. The second Go- one. Google Plain Soccer's. Hop on their Discord. Uh, like I said, Monday, you're everything you need to know about Standard Podcasts, which is also available everywhere our podcast is. So if you're listening to us, you can listen to them. And then Wednesday is their Commander Craft Show. Matt, is there anything I have forgotten to go over in our episode today? No, nothing I can think of. All righty. Well, in that case, I think we will see you guys next week. All right. Have a nice night, guys. Okay. Uh, I'll go turn one Land of War Elf. Uh, all right. Turn two, I'll uh, go Land of War Elf, and uh, I'll just pass. Uh, I'm going to shock one of them. Okay, I'm going to go turn three, Lana Werelf, and Winota, and attack. You're not supposed to do that. (laughs) Oh, I'm sorry. Is my fun the wrong kind of fun? It is. Ban it. (laughs) 